Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.cornerstonechurch.org. Now, please enjoy this week's sermon from Senior Pastor Tim Goodman. Thank you for listening. Good morning. My name is Tim, and... I'm going to talk quietly. There it goes. Okay. Hey, my name is Tim. I get to be the pastor here at Cornerstone Church. So glad you're here today to worship our God, whether in person or online or later during the week. So glad you're here this morning. We have one announcement, our charge conference, which is the annual church business meeting that takes place usually in the fall, is on October 19th at 7 o'clock here at the church. A charge conference is one anyone can come to but a charge conference is where our board of servant leaders would be the ones that have the vote. And there's some matters we need to care for as a church. Uh, At that meeting, welcome to come and learn about that if you'd like to. Uh, All are welcome to come on October 19th at 7. Before we pray, I want to just lift up uh, what you might have seen happening in the last couple days, what's happening around Israel and Hamas. Uh, Devastating things are happening. Many people are being killed and put in harm's way, children, women, men. Uh, on both sides of the divide. And so our hearts go out to the people of Israel and the people of Hamas who are put in incredible harm's way. And with that, that might even remind us of what's happening in Ukraine with Russia and other places. And let's be clear, there's even wars happening around our world that we don't even know about that don't make the press or don't hit social media. And so we pray as the people of Jesus that his way, his truth, his life would prevail in many places today. Would you pray with me now? And so God, God, we just cry out to you. We ask for your help. We ask for your mercy. God, we pray for leaders of both sides in Israel and Hamas. God, that you would give them hearts bent towards peace. God, that a resolution would come speedily and quickly for those who are in harm's way. God, we ask for your help and your mercy. We ask for the preservation of life. We, God, we long the day when Christ returns, and on that day we will beat our swords and our weapons into plowshares and pruning hooks, and there'll be no more wars, but your peace will prevail and pervade all things. God, we long for that day, and we long even for a portion of that day to come now in that region of the world. God, draw near. Draw near to us, draw near to them. We pray even for those in Ukraine and Russia, God. We ask for your peace to prevail and for there to be preserved an authentic witness to Jesus in the midst of all of that. We pray this all in Jesus' name. We even ask now that you would be with us by your spirit, that we might hear from you through your word, and that you might free us to more joyfully and completely love you and live for you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Several months ago, something called the Asbury Outpouring happened not too far from here in Wilmore, Kentucky. Are you familiar with what what happened in those days? Weeks went by and hundreds and thousands of people 
poured into that little town. I actually am a graduate from the college there years ago. It's a small town. Thousands of people poured in day after day, longing to glimpse or even taste or see what was happening on those grounds and in that building. In fact, not even in that chapel, but on the grounds around that campus, the presence of God fell upon that place. And many people have called it the Asbury Outpouring. Some of you might have went. I've wanted to go. I was living in Pittsburgh at the time, and man, I wanted to go badly in a bad way. And my wife just had a surgery. And so a more reasonable idea prevailed. I stayed home with her to help take care of her and the kids. But man, there was so much inside of me that wanted to be in Wilmore, at least for a couple hours, even miles away if I could be, to get a sense of what God was doing in that place. I share that because that has and somewhat stirred inside of me, inspired inside of me a question, which is this, what if? What if God longs to show up in particular places to particular people? What if God's presence longs to fill rooms and homes and workplaces and churches and regions with his presence? What if it could happen here? What if it could happen in my life? What if it could happen in my marriage? What if it could happen in my parenting? What if it could happen in our workplaces, our families, our neighborhoods? What if God could show up that way as God has done repeatedly throughout church history and history and recorded in the scriptures and seen in real time at Asbury in Wilmore, Kentucky months ago, earlier this year? What if the Holy Spirit could come like the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, when the foundations were shook and lives were transformed in the name of Jesus. What if revival could happen? Not revival in the sense of we hold a couple special extra worship services and call them revival services. And not a revival in the sense that we just get back to the good old days of what it was like one time a long time ago in a certain era of history, a certain, a certain expression of the Christian faith. No, not that. And not even a revival because we're anxious and we're afraid and we're just worried about the world and we almost want to turn our hearts and our face away from the world and its problems and kind of just tuck and cover and experience nice things, spiritual things in our hearts. No, not that kind of revival, but a revival where God's presence descends upon a place among a people and then begins to pervade an entire region and people come to Christ. And lives are transformed, relationships that are broken are healed, the addicted are set free, and people who are hopeless and lonely come to live with the hope of eternal life. What if God could do that? Some of us don't like the what if question because it often might tamper with our certain way of life and our certain schedules and our own plans. And we like things to be in their place. I know I do. But what if God could disrupt our lives for the sake of Jesus' name? Jesus' name. 
And so that more people might come to know Christ and His great love. And it wouldn't stop in our own hearts, our own lives, or in a building with four walls, but slowly and miraculously, His name would be known in a city and in a region. What if that could happen? We look to the Scriptures to see what it looks like or even to prepare our own hearts and our own hands for what God would do and could do in our lives. And so we go to Psalm 24, which has been used at different times and points of history, uh, even in Scotland a long time ago, that began this move of God where many people came to faith in Christ. Not only did they experience the power of Jesus in their heart, they began to experience the power of Jesus in their culture and in their society. And it was in Psalm 24 that was used, that God used. And so here are a few things we'll learn from, but here I'm going to read it for us. And if it's in yellow, can you see the yellow? Not yet. If it's in yellow, could you read it out loud with me? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O you gates. He he lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, the King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the king of glory. The first thing we see in this passage of Scripture is that the celebration, the affirmation that God is the creator of all things. He founded all things upon the raging seas and all people were made by him and all people are made for God. And this might seem like something we just pass by really quickly, and yet we stand upon biblical truths to affirm and celebrate that our God is grand and vast and beautiful and not easily controlled at all. He is the creator of all things and all people, and because God created all things and all people, all things and all people are meant for God, who is the creator of all things. It's just not that enough to say that God created all things and all people. The scriptures go further throughout the entire sweep of scriptures that because God created all things, all things were made for God and all peoples were made for God. And Jesus Christ one day will have a people taken from all the peoples of the earth not just because God created all things, but because he longs for all people to turn to him and know him and trust him and live for him. All things are made by him. All things are made for him. And this is the beginning of where the scriptures start 
right there, this big idea that God is vast and God is not controllable and God is great and God is beautiful and that God is all wise and that God is all powerful. And there's so much about God that we do not know. And this doesn't, shouldn't inspire inside of us anxiety or worry that somehow we don't know God as revealed in the scriptures and revealed in Jesus Christ as though there's a God somewhere standing behind the back of Jesus, almost like hiding from us and gonna get us. No, it's to inspire inside of us a sense of awe that our God is so great that he's beyond our thoughts and our best imaginations. Yet we can know this God through the scriptures and revealed in Jesus Christ. The ocean covers 70% of the earth. Is that right? Come on, people. Work with me. And, and what I've read is, thank you, what I've read is that nearly 80% of the ocean is still to be explored. Hasn't been mapped no human has been to 80% of the ocean, which covers 70% of the earth. And in the scriptures, we're promised that one day the glory and knowledge of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And there is so much about God that we still long to see and know. And what we have come to know about God in Jesus Christ is for our salvation, but we long to know him more. We long to seek him because there's so much left unexplored about our God. And this isn't to, again, inspire or cause inside of us a sense of worry or anxiety or fear or fretting. No, it's to inspire inside of us a sense of awe and a sense of worship as we just realize how small we are and how great God is. And throughout scripture, he longs for us to know him. He promises that as we seek him, we will find him because God longs to be found by those who seek God with all of their heart. God is a lot like the ocean, wild, untamable, beautiful, awe-inspiring. We know the ocean a little bit, but there's so much that we don't know still. And we long to adventure into the oceans just as we long to adventure into the knowledge of God, to know God for himself. And yet God has this way of loving to fill and to show up in particular places. This is, some ways, makes no sense. If God is that big and that great and that wild and that beautiful like the ocean, left unexplored, 80% of it, and God loves to show up in particular places, God doesn't long just to stand within, in eternity. He longs to show up in particular places. In this passage of Scripture, it's in Jerusalem. The holy hill is Mount Zion or the hill that Jerusalem sits upon. And they go up to gaze upon God who longs to dwell in a particular place. And one day, 
The scriptures end with Jesus Christ himself once again standing in Jerusalem and the glory and presence of God will fill the earth. And even now, throughout history and throughout time, God longs to dwell and to show up in particular places, in particular people's lives. He did that in Jerusalem. He, his God has done that at Wilmore just recently. God longs to show up in particular places. Some of us don't believe that. But God loves places. God loves buildings. God loves sacred spaces where we set it apart so that we might seek his presence. God loves that. God loves cities. God loves hometowns. He loves neighborhoods. God loves regions. And God loves to show up with his presence and power in particular places. Why not here? Another thing that God loves to do is he loves to form particular people. In a way, we have a particular, peculiar God who loves to show up in particular places and he loves to form particular people. Say that three times fast. I practice that all week. Part of what God longs to do is to form particular people, to be set apart for God's purposes, to bear the name of God in their life so others would come to know Him. God longs to form particular people who begin to reflect the image and likeness of Christ so that before we speak the name of Jesus, and eventually we'll need to do that, we're not playing like mimes here or three words, before we speak the name of Jesus, God longs to form us into a particular people where we reflect the character of Jesus in our lives so that others see something about us that is different. Not because we're special or better, but because the Holy Spirit is doing something in our lives to make us look like the image of Christ. God longs to form particular people. God did that in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter one and two. He set apart Adam and Eve for himself, to dwell with him, to walk with God, to have communion with God, to bear God's image in the world, to be set apart for God's purposes. And then throughout time and history, God would call individuals to himself, ultimately calling Israel, setting them apart on another mountain called Mount Sinai, for what reason? To know God's presence, to bear God's name, to be about God's purposes, and to be set apart, to be a light to the nations. And even still, because of Jesus Christ, God is still about claiming a people for his name. Because of God's great mercy, to form a people for God's presence. Just this last week, I was at a book study here uh, Tuesday evening, and, and the table I was, at, I was at, we talked about our takeaway, and more than one person said this, that in this season, God could be calling us 
to be a people set apart to seek and dwell in God's presence, which is more than a worship service on a Sunday morning. To taste God's goodness, to dwell in God's presence, and to see Jesus Christ high and lifted up. What that looks like in this passage is a few things, and I, I'm going to go by really quickly. There's a TV right Yeah, Okay, yeah. The one who, is, <clears throat> who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, their Savior. Such is the narration of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. What that looks like in our life, God to form a particular people for his purposes and presence and power is not just a heart matter and not just a hand matter. It is heart and hand. It says those who would seek God's face and dwell in God's presence would be those who have a pure heart and clean hands. It is not just for those who have their heart right with God because of Jesus Christ. It is not just for those who have turned away and have washed their hands from things that are against God or who are busy with ministry or busy doing good things with their hands. It is not just a hand matter, not just a heart matter. It is not just what we have up here in our head. It is a heart and hand matter. And if we encounter a message, even from a Christian teacher, that would lead us to believe that all that matters is what we believe in our heart, but it doesn't matter how we live in light of what we believe, just gonna say, run away. It is heart and hand together. It is a matter of who God has revealed himself to be in Jesus Christ, one who loved us and given his life for us, that we might be forgiven, that we might have the gift of eternal life, that we might believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and those who, because of God's great mercy, as Romans chapter 12 says, live as living sacrifices for God. They present their bodies to God in worship. It is just not a heart matter. It is just not a hand matter. It is both together. And God longs in our lives to bring unity between what we have come to know about Christ and how we live. Not because we're trying to earn anything from God, because God will have a people. God won't just have hearts. He'll have an entire people who are set apart in his love, who know his grace, and who are being conformed to the image of Christ. Why? Because our God is vast, our God is great, our God loves to dwell in particular places, and he loves to form particular people for his presence and purposes. And so, in our life, we might need to let go of something. We might need to look in our hands or look inside of our heart by the help of the Holy Spirit or in the help of those we trust 
and look what we have in our hands and look what we have in our heart. And we might need to acknowledge there is something that is keeping us from becoming the man or woman God has created and redeemed us to be. Not because we're afraid or we're trying to earn anything, but we long to respond to God with our whole hearts and all of our hand. So just this last week, I wrote a letter to somebody. I won't say too much about who that was, but I realized increasingly over the last couple of years that I really failed him in that relationship, that friendship. And I wasn't even trying to do that. But man, I failed him. I was not a good friend. And I was busy, and I was doing important things. And increasingly, I realized, man, I just completely missed him. And I don't even have his phone number anymore, but I found a mailing address. And I don't even know if he lives there anymore. And so I sat down this week, and this was actually a couple years in the making. I finally got to the point where I, I just, I couldn't ignore it anymore. I couldn't rationalize it anymore. Man, I felt guilty about it. And I needed him to know that I realized I missed him. And I was not a good friend. And I didn't even see it at the time. And I just, I didn't ask him to make the relationship happen again or friendship happen. I just asked him, acknowledging my wrong, and say, hey, if you could find it in your heart to forgive me, I would ask for that. Why? Because God longs for a generation of people who by the grace of God are keeping their hearts clean and their hands free so that they might, with abandonment, seek the God we have come to know in Jesus Christ. So in a few moments, you'll be invited to respond to God. So we have two worship songs right after this message on purpose, and you were handed a connection card, and on that connection card was a little post-it note, sticky note. And as we just open our hearts and our hands up to God in these moments, would you just pause and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Maybe there is something in your life that you just need to surrender to, you need to give God to, Maybe you find it in your heart. Maybe you actually can see it in your hands. And so, if you're led to, write it on the sticky note. Just a word. Whatever it is. And during this time of worship, if you are so led, come forward and put it on the metal plates right here, metal walls on the sides. Or, Remain where you stand or where you sit and allow God to meet you so that we might prepare both our hearts and our hands for what God has for us. Because what if 
What if how God has moved in the past, even recently in our memory, what if God longs to do it again? To heal broken hearts, to restore relationships, to draw people to Jesus Christ, to transform us more in the image of his son. Not just in our own hearts, our own lives, not just in one building, but what if in a region? What if? Let's pray for a moment. So God, we just pause and we ask your Holy Spirit to work among us according to your word. As you long to show up in particular places and among particular people, forming us in the image of your son. Maybe for some of us, we have grown cold. We've become distracted or complacent or whatever. In these moments, would the fire of our faith that you've placed inside of us, would you stir it within us? Maybe we, because of pain, heartache, mistakes, we're just no longer seeking your face. And we are seeking so many other things. Be merciful, help us. And so now we give you this time as we give you both our hearts and our hands. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. We invite you to join us at Cornerstone Church each Sunday at 10 a.m. in person or online. Please visit our website at www.cornerstonechurch.org for more information. Thank you for listening, and we pray that you have a blessed day. Goodbye.